This is Original Six. In, in any given week of Maple Leafs hockey, you can learn a lot of things about the team, about the league, and, and so on. But this week in particular, we learned that Paul has been added to the list of people who are no longer allowed to see Leaf Sabre games in person. I think that's unfair. I think that's totally justified, and you're never going to see a Buffalo No chance, because the last time I went, we won. The last eight times Ryan's went, we've lost. I think the moral of the story is anytime any of us are at a game where the anthem doesn't work or there's technical difficulties and the crowd has to sing the American national anthem, shit falls apart. Because the last time that happened... Justin Hall, though. That's true. I got an assist for that. That's true. When I was at a game in, in 2013, I've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, I think it was 2013. Was there it was the a Nashville game? Yeah, it was the Nashville game. The entire uh, like anthem, whatever it was, like the audio didn't work. So the crowd had to sing both anthems, and then the Leafs proceeded to lose 9 2. Yeah, the score wasn't that bad yesterday. Yes. I'm really itching to say Ryan Sabine, Paul Ananitis, and Zach Mullen. <laughs> Welcome back to the Original Six Podcast, boys. What's going on? Fired up. Uh, kind of kind of fired. I don't know. I had, last night was just... It was not it for me. It was, yeah, you're uh, telling me. <laughs> Paul, would you care to tell Zach the story you were telling me about the game last night, just before he got on? Not really, but I guess I have to now. You don't have to, <laughs> but I think it's funny. Well, now, now I want to hear it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my stomach was kind of hurting going into the game. And I haven't eaten. I didn't eat all day. So I was <laughs> I was really hungry. So I stole one of my cousin's chicken fingers. And what ended up happening was me watching half of the second period on the TV in the bathroom. <laughs> That's uh, great. That's wow. fantastic. So, yeah. That was great. Wow, great job! So, and that's when they started not playing great too. So, yeah, I guess my I guess my stomach knew that the Leafs would not start playing well, and he's like, you know what, you're gonna wash this from the bathroom. Wow, love it, fantastic. Yeah, great what job. you saw in the bathroom was what we saw on the ice. So don't feel so bad. <laughs> God, that's true. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Joining us again. If you're new here, make sure to follow, subscribe, like, Instagram, all that smooth jazz. jazz precisely. Oh, different jazz. Too. Yeah, smooth jazz. Maybe next week will be rough jazz. You never know. Uh, let's. Is uh, it is now. <laughs> uh, it's March 14th when we're recording this. So last night was the Sabres game that Paul had attended. Uh, this will come out tomorrow on Wednesday. The day of the Avalanche game, which will kick off a crazy, ridiculous week ahead for the Maple Leafs. But before we get there, let's talk about the week pass with two games. Let's start with the Edmonton game. It was a 7-4 victory by the Leafs. I would put that up there as one of, if not the most exciting Leaf games of the season. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I have a funny story about this one. So I was away with my church at a retreat this past weekend. And so I was watching that game 
from a hot tub. So I was sitting in the hot tub. And <laughs> That's my not laptop, where I thought this was going. My laptop was inside the house that I was we were staying at on the windowsill inside. So I was sitting on the hot tub like this, watching through the window. And then after the game, I knew it was exciting. And then I came back to 160 unread messages from both of you. <laughs> That's how I knew the game was super excited from your points of view. Yeah, Paul and I were going off in that chat. Ryan and I were freaking out. You guys probably thought I was dead or something. I think think so. Hot take. Hot take. The hot tub wasn't even on. The the water was just boiling because of how mad Zach was when the Leafs were down 3-1. I was pretty mad. I was I was pretty mad. I was I wanted it to be like the revenge game. We talked about it being the revenge game against Edmonton. And then for them to go down like that, it was like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. This time on home ice. Oh my! And my um, my friend from work is an Edmonton Oilers fan, and she was at the game, and I knew she was sending me like pictures and being like, oh yeah, we're winning. Uh, and then after the game, I texted her and be like, how does it feel now? We got leafed. <laughs> She was sitting beside Gary Roberts and she met sent me a Snapchat. Was like, Do you know who this is? No way. Yeah. Cause she was like, People are taking autographs of this guy beside me. And I was like, Okay, show me. And then she sends me a picture of the back of his head. And I'm like, Okay, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, She goes, I asked, it was Gary Roberts. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So like one of the best leaps defensemen in history. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't know who that was. Dang. Oilers fan gets to meet a Leafs legend. Come on. Yeah, literally. Literally. I'm trying Whatever. to think who the coolest person I've met as a at a Leaf game was. I met uh, Walter Gretzky once. He signed a shirt for me. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. That's sick. I guess. I don't know. I mean, everyone loves Walter Gretzky. He's like a Canadian icon, but mm-hmm. it'd be cool if I met Wayne too. Maybe one day. Um, But yeah, Imagine. the... The uh, Oilers game, high intensity, kind of like you mentioned, Zach, you know, that revenge game. Um, It got kind of chippy and rough, you know, lots of pushing and shoving after the whistles. Bunting was in the mix. Uh, McCabe was in the mix once again. What did you guys think of, I guess Bunting has always been in, but, you know, the kind of new look Leafs with the toughness and the guys that they've brought in, their willingness to step in and play games where they get chippy, they get physical like this. I loved it. I loved the whole game, honestly. Like, I'm glad that we didn't give up. And then we used the physicality that we brought in to try and hype up the team. And if I'm not mistaken, after McDavid's goal to make it 3-1, there was a big hit in our zone. And then obviously we came back and scored those, what was it, like three goals in four minutes. Or even, I think, four goals in like six minutes because Tabar's got that. A power play goal to to end the second period. So, I think that gave the boys momentum going into the going into the third, and it was just a fantastic game all around. I I, I love beating Edmonton. I love beating any team, but like especially the Canadian teams. So, it was a good win yeah. for the boys. Good comeback win. Love seeing them not give up. Yeah, that was kind of like the effort I kind of expected from them in the first game against Edmonton where it just kind of became like we were flat-footed, Edmonton beat us at the speed game. Uh, this was definitely adjusting our game to like where it's going to be in the playoffs, which is not 100% four lines of speed anymore. Like we're not built like that. And so like really focusing on 
having that speed from the star players, but then also having those guys to throw the big hits, to get in physical, you know, to be Michael Bunting and piss off Evander Kane. That's great. I loved seeing that. So, yeah, it was definitely a way better game and a way better effort once we started to turn things around. For sure. Uh, the, the surprising participant to me was TJ Brody. Uh, you know, he was involved mm-hmm. with Nurse, a lot of pushing and shoving around the net. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to last night's game. This one we'd probably classify as a dud, but we've seen this recipe before. The Leafs facing a bad team in terms of standings. I guess Buffalo is a little bit on the higher end of the bad team, but nonetheless, they take a lead, take their foot off the gas. The game gets out of hand and they can't complete the comeback. Uh, a 4-3 loss against Buffalo. I mean, is there any further explanation than what I had mentioned? No. It's nope. just that simple. It's just that it's just a typical leaf loss against a team that we should beat. Yeah, it was uh it was uh just like Paul, it was a stinker. So not a not a great game. I don't it was crazy because it, the how much the the pace just changed. It was almost mm-hmm. like it flipped completely because we were dominating them in the first period. We looked so good. They the guys were flying. I remember texting you guys like after the second goal and being like, "Open the floodgates! Here we go!" Yeah, like it looked like it like it was going to be like a one sided slaughter, and then it, all the energy was gone. It like just got sapped. So yeah, after Yarn Croak's after Yarn Croak's second goal, it just the boys just gave up and then started playing again with like five minutes left in the game to try and make that comeback. But of course it was too late. Yeah. I was watching with my dad and it was like, I think Keith pulled uh, the goalie with like, what, like four minutes left, four minutes left. Yeah. And they were down by two. And I said to my dad, watch, they're going to score, make it interesting. Give me false hope and then fail to come back. <laughs> and lo and behold, exactly what happened. Uh, one, one to know on the week, a short week in our standards. Uh, but Zach, Congratulations on the correct prediction. Let's go. <laughs> about time. It's about damn time. Hey. Uh, Same wavelength. Come on, Ryan. Exactly. Um, 40, 18, and 8. Not much change in that point. Still second in the Atlantic. Uh, now four points ahead of Tampa, but the Leafs have one game in hand on the Lightning. So you love to see that. I mean, I have here like overall thoughts on the week, but like, can you even really provide them like it's like a two game sample size mm-hmm. i don't know like any overarching themes for you guys not really because both games were completely different um so i don't know if there was much of a reoccurring theme i guess if i had to say one was not a lot of help for matt marie and Nett. i know some of the goals we allowed were just Bad defending, puck watching, um, not much you can do about it. But that's probably the only like theme I saw in the in the two games this week. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that like the down low puck watching was just, especially in the Buffalo game, was just so bad. Yeah. Like the the Tage Thompson had a really nice assist on one of those. Oh, that goals. was filthy. Yeah, but it but it wouldn't have happened if guys weren't like all our forwards were just standing there. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think it's also like an overcommitment to the best player on the other team. Yeah, there was right? like, like three of them probably, around. Yeah, him. you probably don't need three guys on Tage Thompson. I think two will do just fine. Um, 
But yeah, let's uh, let's go to where you spoke about Paul in Matt Murray. Uh, so today, Sheldon Keefe defends him, says, I think he's been great. The numbers look terrible. But again, here tonight, in refer- referring to last night's game against Buffalo, I thought he looked really good. I mean, it's four tap-ins. They're uh, three feet or less in front of the crease. So thoughts on Matt Murray's play so far? Only, like we said, the the, uh, the couple games recently. I think that was his third game back from injury. So uh, what have you guys thought of his play as of late? I mean. I was thinking this when I saw the tweet and I sent it in the group chat. I don't think, I think the, and I, Ryan, you mentioned it. The first couple of games, he was kind of iffy, but I think the last couple of games he did really well. It's just, there was no help in front of him. And a lot of the goals, if you go back and see, as we were saying before, it was just puck watching um, guys, not tying up sticks, uh, other team getting easy rebounds or, or two, three shots on Murray before we can try and clear the puck. Um, Matt Murray made some key saves in both games. He made that save on Tage Thompson in the breakaway yesterday. That could have made it. Um, I think it could have been four two before. Before it was four two. Yeah. So it's yeah. So he's been he started off not that well, but then he really picked it up. It's just the problem is that there was no help in front of him. Yeah, to me. I've been watching Murray the last couple of games. He still, he was better in the Buffalo game. I think he made a couple of really key saves, um, you know, to try and keep us in it. But he, he just looked a little bit shaky and slow. I think it's like slow is probably the best word for it, especially, uh, you know, that wraparound goal that Edmonton scored on him was yeah. like, he was snail's pace to get over to the other side of the post. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I've just been watching his movement in the crease too, and it seems slower. Maybe that's just him getting up to speed. Um, but, you know, I mean, keeps right. Like the kind of goals were not like point shot, easy save. Oh, it went in. He should have had it kind of thing. But more of like, would have been nice to get like an amazing save there, but also he shouldn't be having to make like an amazing save every 10 seconds, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the Leafs goaltending conundrum, right? Um, yep. I thought the Buffalo game, the game last night against the Sabres, I think he actually had a pretty good game. Obviously mm-hmm. the team kind of shot the bed in front of him, but it was actually the the game against the Oilers where I thought he was pretty bad. See, he, he came up with big saves when he had to, I found towards the end of the game, but the goals that ended up going in for, for Edmonton, you know, Zach, like the wraparound Kane goal, the McDavid goal, like those are ones you look at and say, I get, you know, these, these are nice plays by the opposition, but still probably should have made a save like the McDavid goal. I know it's McDavid, but it didn't look like that hard of a shot and it goes five hole. Like it kind of just squeaks through uh, the Kane wraparound Murray's. I think as he was sliding over his skate hit the net first and his pad turned because of it and angled the puck in so it's like little things that i think he kind of will just have to reacquaint himself to as he gets back into game shape um but i think the fact that he's kind of looked better in his most recent game points in the right direction in terms of he's kind of getting back on track and frankly i think the leafs need him to do that Mm -hmm. yeah um what what kind of deployment do you guys want to see from murray samson of the rest of the season and i'll throw it to zach first because paul's been an eager beaver today i was waiting (laughs) i just let him go first i like being the the, the follow-up um i'd like to kind of see them maybe split the stretch 
I know Keith has been saying that Samsonov was not fully 100%. Why am I not surprised that one of our goaltenders is not 100% this year? Maybe it's because it's every single game. It's one of them is not fully 100. Um, yeah, I'd like to see them, you know, split it. Divide the workload evenly. You know, maybe if there's a guy that starts getting hot, ride the hot hand. But I think, like, they both, you know, you don't want to overload either of them. I like I wouldn't do what I what Winnipeg is doing right now, which is just Connor Hellebuck is playing every single game for them right now because he's playing great. But I also would be worried that you know you overload him before the playoffs. I don't want us to do something like that. Split the workload down the stretch, make sure guys are keeping warm, but also not getting over over shot at. Overworked? Yes, that's the word I was actually thinking of. Thank you. <laughs> overshot at, yeah. Let's let's I let them get overshot at. Yeah. I, I agree with Zach on on uh, the Murray Samsonov situation. I think you should just split it as much as you can. And if one of them is doing better than the other, then yeah, ride the hot hand and try and see who the starter is going to be for the playoffs. Um, so I guess it's just a battle between them to figure it out. So play them as much as we can. And I think it's it. just, just a battle between who can stay healthy. That's, that's who the starter is going to be. Yeah, that's basically it. You know, there might there might be a dark horse in this competition, and unfortunately it could be Joseph Wall. Um, but Paul, to, to, sorry, Zach, to your point, you know, the Leafs can't do what Winnipeg is doing because we don't have an elite goaltender. We don't have like a bona fide NHL superstar goalie, right? There's mm-hmm. yep. Given there's only a few of those in the NHL, I, I would put Hellebuck in that conversation. We'll be um, playing one of them in the first round. Uh, exactly uh so they don't have that so they don't have that luxury right so that's just part of the the situation uh let's talk about something paul is a huge fan of uh if you watch if you watch no different topic actually if you watch the game last night kyle bukowskis on sports that called it 7-eleven a great place to get snacks but paul does not like 11 and 7 that is sheldon i hate 7-eleven too oh well there you go uh sheldon keith going 11 and 7 uh, continues, Paul. What's your least favorite item on the Seven Eleven menu? Um, I don't know because I don't go into Seven Eleven. Well said. Because I don't. Because I don't. There like used to. It. Do you guys remember there used to be a Seven Eleven, but not a gas station near Ryerson's Ryerson? campus? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because my buddy would always go in there and get like stuff, and it would just be infested with like homeless people. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I remember someone like someone I was friends with or like would have like lunch with would go in there and grab like they had hot dogs on like the rotisserie pizza. I'm like, this food looks disgusting. Oh my god, it looked terrible. They had like taquitos too. It just looked like diarrhea. <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> man. This was terrible. But anyways, what, what I was saying on the 11 and 7, I never liked it. I just think it's makes the line so inconsistent. Everyone's playing with different pairings and different partners that it just doesn't build the chemistry. If you have 12 and six and you're playing a consistent line of three forwards and two defensemen, then they can mesh better because they'll be playing a lot more minutes together. But if you keep switching everybody, then they're just going to have to figure out uh, who they're playing with and how they play in different styles. So I saw, I saw like, Mitch with everybody at, at the game yesterday. I saw Gustafson with Riley and, and Brody. I saw 
Hall and Riley at one point together, Brody and Hall, Brody McCabe, like everything. McCabe I just don't like Hall. it. I just, McCabe Hall. Yeah, I just like the consistency. And I think it's stupid to play 11 and 7 because of because of the inconsistency of the lines. Yeah. So, Zach, I see here you no longer hate this in, in agreeing to that I no longer hate it either. Um, but I'm curious to see why you don't hate it anymore. And then I want to comment on why I don't after that. Mm-hmm. I think the first period of the Buffalo game kind of was an eye-opener because that was the first time I really, like, watched the players because I had been, like, oh, 11 and 7, like, oh, my gosh, random lines, what the heck. But then just actually thinking about it and how good it is to, like, A, you're double-shifting your star players. Whether that's good or not, it's hard to say per game. Like, I don't think you can overall say, this is bad that your star players are playing another shift. Well, you're giving them more opportunities, but they're going to get more tired. It's a give and take. But with the defensemen, I think it kept them fresh. I think they looked fast. The first period of the Buffalo was great. If they could have played that way the entire game, then I'd be like, okay, you know, maybe this is a good example of 11-7. I still need to see more of that kind of play. I don't think one period is enough. But I think it kind of gave a glimpse as to, like, the potential it can have in terms of just, you know, moving the lines around. All of a sudden, you've got, like, Nylander, Yarncroke, and Lafferty coming at you when you're not expecting to play Nylander on that line. It's going to make it a really difficult for John Cooper in the first round for Tampa to try and have to match that when you don't know who's going to be double-shifted. Maybe it'll be Matthews, and then Matthews double-shifts again. Who knows? It does give you that, like, kind of ace-up-your-sleeve kind of mentality. So I'd like to see it. But it really depends on can they consistently play that way. Yeah, but you have to figure as soon as O'Reilly comes back, eleven and seven is done. I don't know. Oh yeah. No, you think they could, you think they go into the playoffs with it? No. Maybe I think I I don't like I think keeps doing me. this. I think keeps doing this eleven and seven to see what lines he likes the best and then put a top a four four line combination together for the playoffs. I don't know. I could see Ashton Reese getting pulled out of the lineup really easily. To be honest, I think the reason Keith is doing this is because with O'Reilly being injured, they don't have another forward who's actually going to be a relevant player for them down the stretch or in the playoffs. So you might as well see what you have in your defense. Like who, who, if let's say next game uh, tomorrow night against the Avs, Keith says, let's go back to 12 and six. Who's the 12th forward in, in both of your opinions? Holmberg. Probably Holmberg. Well, while I agree with that, we we know at this point he's not in the playoff picture. Yeah, no. He's like emergency in the playoff picture. Yeah, you got him. You got a guy like Bobby McMahon, maybe Steves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Joey Anderson's gone. You know, that's another guy who's kind of you know, like the fringe player. Um, but for me, the reason I like this is, look, you never like to see someone get injured, especially O'Reilly, who you needed down the stretch. You want to know what you have with him. Put that aside, out of the trade deadline, our biggest question mark was what the heck are the Leafs going to do with all these defensemen? They have technically nine defensemen that are NHL players. Um, so this at least gives you the opportunity to see what you have in those guys. Think of if we were going 12 and 6, you, you can't dress all of these guys every night. Keep in mind, Luke Shen has not played the last three games. So that's another guy to add to the mix. He obviously was back in Vancouver because his wife was having a kid. But I, I, I think this gets rid of the question mark of what is Keith going to do with nine defensemen faster. 
because we're playing the more we see with the game. I know there's unpredictability, but they're NHL players. Figure it out. Like, uh, chemistry, schmemistry. At this point, like, you get paid to play hockey. You're good enough to play with whoever you want. I don't care who you're throwing out there with. Like, just get it together. But, you know, that's why I don't hate 11 and 7 anymore is because we're just figuring out what we have on the back end before we need to know it at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Mm. But I just don't like it from the forward perspective. And it gives another reason for Justin Hall to stay yeah. in the lineup. I, I agree with you in the forward perspective, but I don't see what other option we have. Right? Like, I think if it comes down to putting Holmberg in the lineup or an extra defenseman, I think I think it is the right choice. Yeah. Hopefully O'Reilly comes back soon then. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. As of today, Kyle Dubas comments on Ryan O'Reilly's uh status. Uh a tweet from Chris Johnston says Kyle Dubas says he expects ROR, Ryan O'Reilly, to return to the hashtag Leafs lineup before the playoffs. Adds that they were fortunate because of the type of break he suffered to his finger. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about this? I mean, I think to me, this the the media is kind of spitting this as a good thing. They were, you know, kind of alluding to the fact that before it was an estimate. Now it's kind of looking like a more concrete picture. But to me, before playoffs, you know, like the wording of it, I know I'm probably reading too much into it. But before playoffs kind of means for the playoffs in my mind, rather than what we kind of theorize would be like 10, eight games left of the season kind of thing. Yeah, I mean... My thoughts on the news was, thank goodness. I think that's probably the only thing I'd really fan was thinking when they saw this. And I hope he does come back with a little bit of games left so he can, like, get back into the groove and and not just come in right for playoffs, being out four weeks. Um, so hopefully we know when he'll be back. But if Dubis says that he'll be back before playoffs, then I'm excited to see when he comes back and hopefully he can actually slot into the lineup before playoffs and we can get those forward lines together. Yeah. He's like, he's not going to play a lot. Like I think if he follows the timeline, so he had the injury against Vancouver on the 4th of March, they said it was about four weeks. So they gave him a little bit of breathing room. Maybe he comes back the since the sixth against Boston. And then even after that, you've only got four more games of the season. Yeah, that's a week so, left of the season at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not gonna it's not gonna be a lot a lot of time. It's gonna be oh he's coming back during the regular season like kind of ish. Maybe he'll get warmed up. That'll be good. But yeah, you know everyone everyone looks at this like a Nick Felino situation. At least with the broken finger, as I'm far from a doctor. It's not muscular. It's not like Nick Foligno. Like Nick Foligno had a back injury. Those take months, years, whatever, to heal. At least with a broken finger, he's had surgery. Once it's healed, theoretically speaking, you're good to go. There isn't that grace back into the game. I know there's like recovery and the healing. And I don't know if you do physiotherapy for a broken finger, but you know what I mean? Like it seems a little more concrete in terms of recovery and then getting back into action. Yeah, I yeah, think the true. biggest the biggest challenge it's his it's his uh, is I think it's his right hand right his lower hand on his stick so that's where all his power comes from so I think the biggest thing for him is going to be gripping the stick is going to be difficult at least 
getting back to that because of the broken finger. Well, he's a left hand. He's left handed, so his right hand would be at the top. Is he lefty or righty? I'm drawing. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Achari's right handed. So then it's his whatever his his bottom hand is. So he broke his left, I think. Yeah, yeah he, he broke would... his left. I'm okay, sure. so yeah, it is his bottom hand, anyways. So Ryan, your point stands, anyways. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, it, it's also I, I this might be a weird way to pose the question, but is it weird that we miss O'Reilly even though we've only had him for two weeks? Does anyone else like? Do you feel like we miss him? Is that yeah. too? Is that like weird to say? No, because I think he he plays a good role in this team, and and everybody knows what he can do, and and you don't want to see your star trade deadline acquisition get injured a year after the same thing happened. Yeah, I think we're. I feel like we're not a bad team without him, of course, but like Wait. it definitely feels like a like a big chunk of threat from our team is now missing. Yeah. And to anyone who says, you know, like the, there's no excuse, like the Leafs did it up until they traded for him the entire season. Keep in mind, there were a few roster players who were sent out that the Leafs had prior to having O'Reilly. So it's not quite the same as just plugging him uh, in and out. Uh, what do you guys think of some NHL injuries going on? Obviously, O'Reilly's hurt. Svechnikov announced today that he's done for the season. I'm probably going to have to drop him in our fantasy league because he's a keeper, but he's on the last year of his keeper deal. So he's just like a wasted spot. And I probably don't want to waste him on the IR, but that's a huge loss for Carolina. Yeah, that's massive. He was playing really well for them. Yeah, I guess it's, um, I don't want to see relieving because you never want to see people get hurt, but at least we're not the only team getting people injured, you know? Yeah, so. Stamkos got hurt. Uh, Lekkanen for Colorado. Stamkos got hurt? Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Oh, I sent it in the group chat. You send so much in that group chat. <laughs> 140 messages, apparently, after yeah, two man. periods of hockey. Oh, leg injury. Yeah, he will be okay. No, you do not hope that. Come on. You can't hope for injuries, Paul. Yes, I but can... if he's not going to play against us, then I hope he's out until we're done beating them. I hope. He's done, yeah, he's out for the rest of the season, which for Tampa will mean after the first round. Four games. Four, four, four games. games in the playoffs. I can't wait to shut Tampa out all four games. You heard oh, it God, here first. Yeah, okay. Um let's let's move on. This I haven't seen much conversation about this, and I know the three of us haven't talked about it. Looking at the last two games, uh in the Edmonton game, Matthews gets matched up against McDavid. And in the Buffalo game, he gets matched up against Thompson. So I'm curious to get both of your thoughts on giving Matthews the the matchup against the opposing team's best players. Good. I think it's good. I think, you know, I don't know who will do what role in terms of when we play Tampa, like who's O'Reilly's line going against? If Tavares is on a different line, whose line is he going against? I think, you know, trusting Matthews in these kind of scenarios gives them more experience. He's got more experience playing against the top guys because Tampa will have like lines and lines of really good players, no matter who he matches up against. You know, if he was just sheltered the entire season, didn't play against any of the top lines, only plays against like the shutdown unit from the other team. How's he going to do if like, oh, he has to face off against point Kucherov, Stamkos, like these kind of guys, 
you know, he's going to be more comfortable with it if he's been doing it the whole season than if he was sheltered the whole time. So I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think it shows that Keith trusts Matthews to play against top players. And we've seen his like depth stats on his five on five defense and how good he can be. So I think Keith is really trusting him now. And as Zach said, it's nice to see him start doing this before the playoffs. So he has the experience going into playoffs. Uh, I I hope Keith keeps it up for the rest of the season and leading into the playoffs, Matthews will have that experience that we need to go up against Tampa's big players. Yeah, uh, I agree with you both. To me, the biggest advantage of this is, and, and, and frankly, the reason why I think Keith has been doing this is, you know, the last couple weeks or ever since Matthews' knee injury and the return from it, he's kind of like, he's looked good. You know, all the little things were happening, but I guess the biggest comparison to Matthews of past was the offense just wasn't coming. And I don't know if you guys thought like his compete level was looking down, but I think by Keith matching him up against the other team's top players, it brings that compete level to the, to the top, right? It, it forces him to be on his game and involved in every aspect. Like if you're playing against McDavid, there's no breathing room on the ice. Right. Yeah. So I think that's good for Matthews's game for him to, you know, piss him off a little bit. Connor McDavid goes down and scores a goal while you're on the ice. Now let's see what you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you need to get Matthews to a point where he's angry, right? Cause angry Matthews, we've seen it in the past when he's on a mission and goes and scores a goal and you see the Sally, like, look what I can do. That's the best version of Austin Matthews. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it's that's nice valuable in the playoffs. Too. Like he'll yeah. go smack guys around because he has the body for it. And he just doesn't do it that much. So it is nice to see when he gets pissed off, he goes throw some guys down. So 100% correct. Uh, do you guys think, though, these kind of matchups will, will offense be harder to come by for Matthews, knowing that not that necessarily he's playing against people who are also good at defending, but he might be spending some of his time defending against McDavid's and Thompson's? No, I don't think so, because we know how good Matthews is offensively, and I think it's just the full 200-game factor of a top centerman. And we've seen Bergeron do it. Like, he's one of the best defensive centermen in the league, and he still puts up a lot of points. So I don't have any doubt that Matthews will continue being that offensive threat that he is while actually shutting down top players that he's going to play against. I just hiccuped halfway through that. But yeah, you get my point. For sure. Well, well, uh, well spoken, Zach. I was expecting this big, long-winded answer, but for sure, I like it. I'll nope. take it. Uh, right. Let's <laughs> let's talk about Noel Achari. I mean, O'Reilly's been hurt. We know about the defense. Um, he's been around a bit longer than some of the other new guys, but this past week, in in my eyes, was his best stretch as a Maple Leaf. Two goal performance in, in the Edmonton game. Um, I thought uh, he he looked pretty good yesterday too. He's kind of just seemed to like found his place with the team. And I think he looked good off the bat. I mean, with the Leafs, don't get me wrong, but I think he's finally sort of like found his place and role with the team. So what do you guys think of, you know, his time as a Leaf so far, but also the last two games as your sample size in particular? I mean, I love Nolachari and I love the acquisition that we got for him and and we know what he would bring to the team, that hard, tough, forechecking, good defensive 
forward that we needed, like a gritty player. And since he's been on the Leafs, I think we've noticed him more and more as he's been playing. And as you were saying, Ryan, this week in particular, he was playing fantastic. He made some good plays against Edmonton, having a two-goal game. He, I noticed him a lot yesterday uh, for checking, finishing his hits, uh, good defensive plays, good good on the uh, on the penalty kill when he was on, and I mean, I I, I really like Achari, and I think he is settling in nicely, like you said, and and if he continues like this and he plays better and better every game, then he'll be a key player in uh, in the playoffs for sure. Zach, what do you think of the guy they call Cookie? I don't know yeah. why they call I don't know why they call him Cookie. Is you know, he's he never eats, heard it? He eats lots of Oreos, right? He eats like a he eats like a crap ton of Oreos. Like he eats like half a bag a day. How is that? This guy's an an NHL like star like athlete. Buddy, come on! This shouldn't be a surprise. Phil Kessel ate hot dogs for X amount of seasons. Phil Kessel can never be compared to. He's a gem. There's but Phil Kessel never worked out. Phil Kessel never worked out. Like and yet he set the Ironman streak in the NHL. So there must be something to the junk food. (laughs) Yeah, I know because because as we were saying last week, Jacob Chikrin needs raw liver, and then he almost, and then he's been injured so much in the last two years, and then you <laughs> see Kessel eating hot dogs and Coca Cola every day, and he has the longest Ironman streak, and then you see Achari eating half a bag of Oreos a day, and he's just an absolute animal on the ice. You got to have that sugar, you know, but they burn so many calories playing and working out and practicing that like. Half a bag of cookies won't hurt. <laughs> hey, if that's what gets him to throw all these hits, then yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I think a full he's a bag of cookies. Player. I don't care. <laughs> no, no, we can't. We can't unrestrain him that way before playoffs. We have to wait till the playoffs. Then we give that's him true. a full bag. That's true. Yeah, he's uh, he's been great. Uh, I've loved Nolachari because I hated him when he played for Boston. So then that's how I know that I like a player is when they're good and they play for another team and I hate playing against them. So when we had the O'Reilly trade, I was like, oh, nice. We got Achari too. Like, that's actually really good, you know, return. He's been great. Like, in the last two games, he has five hits in each game, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. And I think, you know, scoring is not why he's on this team, but I'll take it. Like, I'm not complaining at all, of course. So, you know, good for him. Um, Yeah, he's – funny enough, he had seven shots against Edmonton, which is – That's crazy. A lot. I'm looking through his stats right now. That's the most shots he had against any team in one game this season was seven against Edmonton. So there he's feeling it. That's good. Crazy. I mean, with, with O'Reilly, we need to step up, right, from uh, from everyone. But to me, it's the compete level. I mean, like Matthew's commented on a bunch of the guys. Like, it's very evident that his compete level is all the way up there. Uh, and I think that's got to be infectious. And I think that's a guy you really like uh, on your team come playoff time. Hundred percent. That's for, where the guys, sure. the guys you need to, you know, grind you through. Like I love, you know, like Pierre Engvall, great guy, giraffe. I will miss him, but at the same time, I'm this is it. what we need. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over it. Because for such a big boy, he didn't hit. So seeing Nolachari use his body the way he should be and why we acquired him is, is nice to see, especially on the Leafs who've been lacking that for so long. How is Engvall doing? He was a. Uh, I, I heard he he was given a shot on the first line and then very quickly dropped to the fourth. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was on the first line for the Islanders, and then the coach got said, benched oh, a couple you. times. Like played two shifts in a period, and the coach was like, "Yeah, you know what? You're better he off did. down below." He had a goal against Rasmus Sandin and the Washington Capitals. Oh there yeah, technically he did, but he tried to sauce it over on a two-on-one, and the defenseman hit it in his own net. So <laughs> did he? he <laughs> I love how you. I love how you know the goal. Because I saw it, That's because good. I saw like That's the Islanders, because I follow all like the NHL teams on Twitter, and I saw like the Islanders posted, oh, hey, Pierre Engvall's first goal as an Islander, and it wasn't even him, it was the stupid defenseman who whacked it in his own net. Was said stupid defenseman Rasmus No, Andy. it was not Rasmus Sandin. Rasmus Sandin is flourishing. That guy had three assists in that game. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, he's on fire with them. Good yeah. for him. I like him. I, I think sending. he just he wasn't the perfect fit here, so I'm glad he's you know succeeding. Well, he's getting he's getting top minutes and top power play minutes in in Washington, so I would hope he would produce some points. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we move on to the week ahead, we'll we'll keep this one a little bit on the shorter side. Shall we play some yay or nay? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for yay. understanding the assignment, Zach. I appreciate you. Yes. Paul says absolutely. Well. Uh, that's the game is yay or nay, so I'll say this stuff when we play. No, 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 no. The, the game is now always. Yes, the game is is live. Uh, so I got seven here. You guys don't know them for all of our listeners. Feel free to play along. Say seven. it out loud. Mm. Just scream it wherever you are. If you're on the subway, yay! Uh, cool, I'm down. I was gonna make a really dark joke about like yelling yay at a funeral, but uh, I will ref- refrain from that. Jeez Louise. Don't know why you'd be listening to our podcast uh, in that kind of situation. Let's go before I put my other foot in my mouth. Uh, So the rules are simple. (laughs) I give us a statement. Uh, Each of the boys has to answer yay or nay. It's kind of like thought, opinion. So no questions, no thoughts provided. Yay or nay. Uh, So I'll let Paul go first every time since he's uh, the eager beaver. Uh, Out of the Maple Leafs, newly acquired players, Noel Achari has surpassed expectations the most. Yay. Yay. Right. Rasmus Sandin, funny enough, has eight points in four games as a member of the Washington Capitals. Trading him was a bad decision. Nay. Mm. Zach is broken. Yay. Interesting. Uh, should, interesting. Should Eric Gustafson... Get a look on the top power play unit. Yay. Yay. Sheldon Keefe should play Matt Murray more than Ilya Samsonov down the stretch. Is there like a middle answer? Well, nay can also mean you want them to go 50-50. Okay, nay. Yay. Interesting. Zach uh, changes his mind. Matthew Nyes will play for the Maple Leafs this season or in the playoffs. (laughs) Yay. Is that you wanting him to or hope or thinking he will? No, no, I want him to. Yay. Yay. Okay. I'm going to phrase this more of do you think he will, whether or not you want to. Well, do I think he will? Nay. Yay. Good for you, Zach. They have the cap space. Uh, Justin Hall. Nay, if it says playing, it's a nay. Is a great <laughs> hockey player. Nay. <laughs> I'd say yay. Shut up, Zach. <laughs> hey, he's in the show, but he's making two million a year. That's, than we uh, he's still in the NHL, so he has to be considered great on some scale. That's that's true. 
This might be the most important one. Paul shouldn't be allowed to watch a Leaf Saber game ever again. Yay. Yay, Nay. I'm going first. Nay. Nay. <laughs> All right, how, about that's... Ryan, how about Ryan and I go to a Sabres game the next time right here? You want them to double lose? Is that even possible? But you can come too, Zach. Yes, that's that's oh, not only if we if we go to a Leaf Saber game together, not only do they lose, but someone has a seizing ending injury. we're not not doing that thank god they don't play again this year we're not doing that yeah exactly um (laughs) let's take a look at at the week ahead got four games on tap uh before we likely record next uh so tomorrow or the day this comes out uh versus the avalanche friday versus the andre svechnikovless carolina hurricanes then saturday back-to-back ottawa and then tuesday islanders uh, which could be the Leafs. Uh, it's 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 an away game, so the Leafs will play Pierre Engvall for the first time since being traded. Uh, Zach, you got the prediction correct. I will let you go first for both keys to success as well as predictions. So start us off. So my keys to success or my key to success is to settle in. I feel like the team looks very up and down, up and down, kind of per game. Even you know we saw in the Buffalo game they were great, and then they were not great. So. I think just, you know, settle in. There's a lot of new guys, you know, figure out the rhythm, figure out the style of game you're going to start playing now and, you know, settle into the good team that we know this team is. Oh, and my prediction uh, is 3-0-1. Um, I'm going to say that the overtime loss is going to come against the Carolina Hurricanes. All right, Paul. Uh, my keys to success are don't play 11 and seven, keep lines consistent. I'm going to stick with that. And, um, my prediction is two, one and one. Uh, I want them to win tomorrow against Colorado. Cause I will be at that game. I, they better not lose. If they lose man, you're banned. For yeah. The rest for of real. Season. I agree. For real. I think so. But every game I've been to Matthews has scored. So I love it. But uh, the one loss, I feel like it'll come against Ottawa just because of how bad we play against them. And then that overtime loss, I agree with Zach, will probably come against Carolina. And I think we'll win against Colorado and the Islanders. Because we usually do pretty well against the Islanders since uh, Tavares has been traded, just because it's like a, you know. Mean something game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have three, uh, three one and oh. Um, you know, I've no longer... I've I've decided no longer am I going to make record predictions on what should happen. I'm just going to go with what I think will happen because it's the Leafs. So we have three yeah. games against good teams, one game against bad teams, three, one and oh, it's that simple. Um, overtime losses don't happen that often. So I'm just not factoring that in to any of my predictions anymore. Uh, and, and my uh, key success is period to period consistency, write the same story of the game each period. Whether you want to call call it playing a full sixty minutes, I need to see the same team each period. Enough of this yep. bad one period, great the next. I hate it. You're not going to win a playoff series like that. Um, but that's uh, that is pretty much it for us on this episode of the Original Six Podcast. I'm going slow for dramatic effect. Thank you to everyone who listened to us, fellas. Favorite three words. Go Leafs, go. 11 and 7? Ew. 
There's a question mark at the end of that. There's a question mark at the end of that. Every time I ask you guys, I forget to think of one on my own and then just sit here completely dumbfounded with what I'm going to say. So I will just say go Leafs go for this time and try to come up with something more creative next week. Uh, But that is it for us. Make sure to follow, subscribe, check us out on Instagram. You know the drill by now. Remember to take care of the planet. And we'll see you next week on the Original Six Podcast. Bye.